Welcome everybody. How is Scent going? Great enthusiasm ripples across the room <laughs> in a very English way. Uh, my name's Tom and uh, I'm hosting this gathering this afternoon. Hopefully you're in the right room. This is, anyone know what the title is? It's something about church planting and that kind of stuff. Church expansion. Well, I've been in America for a year, so I've expanded. Um, do come and uh, find a seat. Um, yeah, so really today is the first part of a two-parter. Tomorrow, Steph Liston and Morris are going to be doing the envisioning part um, with uh, Hugh Pierce as well, actually. A little plug there. But we um, today, we're going to be looking at the real practical side of church planting, having an adventure in God. Anyone here, like, at least 1% open to having an adventure in God, which might involve church planting? There we go. Involving everyone. Um, well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be um, we're gonna be using this very simple um, kind of three slash fourfold uh, structure here that um, Ashley Smythe, married to PJ Smythe, used a couple of years ago at a conference, and I found it super helpful as a kind of um, common um, practical slash emotional journey that you will often find yourself going on when you go on some kind of adventure, uh, particularly if you ever find yourself church planting. Um, but in order to do that, I'm going to be, uh, in a moment, handing over to my wonderful friends, my wonderful wife, Josie Shaw. Can I have a woo? <coughs> Kevin John-Jones, all the way from Finland. <coughs> and Roger Eaton, all the way from Lille, France. Um, yeah, so we're going to have... They're going to be speaking for about 13 minutes each, and I will time them. Can I have a woo? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're trying to be organised. And then we're going to have a little bit of a Q&A. So please do um, scribble down any questions that you might have. My instinct is that sometimes in these kind of settings, the, the Q&A bit is actually just as valid and as helpful as the kind of the monologue bit. So please do um, be ready for that. It would be great to have some juicy questions ready um, for, uh, for the time nearer the end. I guess just to say, by way of introduction, to state the obvious, um, we as a movement passionately believe in church planting. Amen? Amen. It is, I know it sounds obvious, but it's just worth stating, just in case you're perhaps new here and you're not used to hearing that phrase, church planting. It's the establishing of gospel-centered communities. It's what you see throughout the New Testament. For example, through the book of Acts, you see again and again the Holy Spirit sends out normal people like you and me uh, out from the place that we're at to, to proclaim the gospel. And off the back of that, these communities are formed. And uh, the wider global family new frontiers that we're part of that relational mission is one kind of tribe within a bigger tribe is around 2,000 churches across the world our relational mission I think is around 80 to 90 churches um, based in the UK and mainland Europe um, and other places I think as well but um, I think one of the most amazing things that you see um, in the life of Paul, so actually if you are taking notes, your first note I would encourage you to scribble down is a book recommendation by a, a guy called Roland Allen called Paul's Missionary Methods. Paul's Missionary Methods. It was written actually about 100 years ago, um, but you wouldn't think that to read it. It's absolutely gripping. Not that all old books aren't, but it's uh, a gripping book. And he, he basically um, just makes some fantastic comments, which I think are very freeing, about when you look at how Paul, in the space of 10 years, 
You know, 10 years, Paul started, you know, in, your, in, your back, in the back of your Bible, you have those maps, those three main loops that he did, his missionary journeys, um, where he really laid um, churches all across that part of the world. He did that from start to finish, they think, in around 10 years. Wow. Isn't that mad? I did not know that until I read that book. It's the first thing he says, that Paul started it in probably AD something or other, and about 10 years later, he could say, my work in these regions is done. In 10 years. So Paul was an amazing man of God, but when you look closer at uh, the New Testament, what is so fascinating is, yes, you see this kind of pace that the Holy Spirit brings to bear. You see this man doing things at an amazing pace. You do actually see these kind of ingredients again and again. Paul wasn't a robot, is what I'm saying. Paul was actually just a normal guy who had emotions and had a practical side to what he did and an emotional side to what he did. And so today we just want to unpack, um, we're going to compress the first two sections just for the sake of time. And uh, the way it's going to work is that um, Josie's going to kind of major on these two and just touch minor upon these two. And then uh, Kev will major upon the arriving section, but minor and mention the other two as well. And then Roger will, will finish us off majoring on the thriving section. But before we do that, I just want to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be with us uh, this afternoon. Father, I want to thank you that you are the same God that used a uh, previously arrogant, um, proud man to change the entire kind of Middle Eastern world. In 10 years, you did such great things. And Lord, we really want to ask today that you would come and raise faith in this room that in a hall in England, 2,000 years later, you would speak to and set apart us here today to join and partner with you on your adventures that you would have for us. Lord, come and stir our hearts and our minds. Let this not just be another hour. Let this be a time that we can trace back and say something happened yes. in that hour that has changed my life forever. Yeah. Amen. 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 Okay, let's put our hands together and welcome the lovely Josephine Shaw. That way around. Does it matter? Okay. Hi, guys. Hello. So I feel a little bit of a fraud because I actually have never church planted, so I'm very sorry about that. But um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our story and the leaving and the grieving kind of journey we've been on over the last year. Um, so Tom had previously led uh, City Church in Canterbury for... 10 or so years we'd been there 20 years and Tom started to feel um, a call to the states um, what often happens with you when you've got small children is that you aren't at things like this and you are at home with the children kind of and you get the download when your husband gets home and um, we had several different events where Tom um, yeah, felt like God was really speaking to him about America and uh, one time he was in the States he was at Mobilize USA so like a sent 
version but in um in the states and he met a couple called travis and tiffany aiklin who uh lead kind of at that time the only new frontiers church in california and they got on really well and over a couple of years he started to really have relationship with them and went out there on his sabbatical and then uh we went actually went out as a family a year later um and during this time lots of prophecies came about moving to america tom was still leading the church back in canterbury leading the team um and there was kind of a real resistance in my heart to uh moving to america and just to leaving full stop i'd been in canterbury 20 years and i really felt like one we hadn't kind of finished what we'd set out to do i really felt like there was lots uh, that I wanted to see. I'm a real completer finisher and not everybody in Canterbury had got saved. So I didn't think it was time for me to be leaving. Um, there were things like we'd have prophecies about having a building um, and we still didn't have a building. I had real dreams of working in the community with the poor in Canterbury. There were lots of things um, that I was waiting for, lots of things that I thought were about me staying in Canterbury. So I had to catch up um, and it definitely felt there's a verse in um, Deuteron- Deuteronomy 32 that talks about um, an eagle kind of stirring up the nest of the baby eagles and breaking up the nest so that these little eaglets have to fly the nest. And it really felt during that time that um, God was breaking up our nest and um, getting ready to send us. Um, but there was so much fear in my heart and. Um, I'm a, I'm a real control freak. I like to know what's happening, and um, I usually have a five-year plan of some kind or another. And I felt out of control um, because God was clearly speaking to Tom, but not necessarily into my heart. He had lots of relationships in the States that were growing, whereas I felt quite disconnected from that. Um, and just fear was growing, I guess fear of the unknown and what, why we would go, what would be the point, how would the kids react. Um, a major thing that was happening for me at the time was um, my mum, who's on her own, was going through uh, chemotherapy and um, I was going through that with her. Um, my older sister had already moved to New Zealand and taken grandkids with her, so I was kind of you know the hub really for my mum and dad and wider family um and my my kids were very loved we have three little girls um so it felt like a very cruel thing to do for us to go to my family um and also to the church um so during that time i think i just dealt with a huge amount of fear and just, God, why aren't you speaking to me? But I was very resistant to God speaking to me, really. I don't think I would have listened if he had. Um, we went out to America, and I did really love Visalia. But I, um, it's kind of a small kind of city um, in California, about three hours from the coast, halfway between um, San Francisco and L.A. Um, it's not very kind of... Um, it's not how you probably imagine California. It's kind of desert. <laughs> it's very agricultural. It's a very cool city, very arty and creative. And it's an amazing church there that we were going to be part of and a, a church that has got a real heart for church planting. So it felt exciting, but I still didn't feel called and I felt quite scared of how would I fit in and why? What, what would be the point of me even going there? What, what, 
what God got for me there. Um, and I was in the midst of this fear, and I was actually quite low. I was really struggling with feeling out of control. Um, and God just um, gave me a dream. I went to bed one night and had a dream. And um, I had a dream, one of those dreams where you're jumping off a cliff. And... Um, in the dream, I had that feeling of jumping, you know, where you feel like, I'm going to die. I'm literally going to die. But actually what happened was I stepped off the cliff and I stepped right onto a ledge. So I had the feeling of taking that crazy, ridiculous jump, that step of faith. But actually in the dream, I had that overwhelming sense of relief really quickly that I was being caught and that actually it was going to be okay. And... Um, and I just felt like God was saying, this is a big step, <laughs> this is a massive jump, but I'm going to catch you. And actually, rather, like Tom had had all these words previous, but I really felt like God was saying, I need you to take that jump first, and almost then I'm going to give you the confirmation. Once you've given it to me kind of blindly, I'm then going to... Um, really put that faith in you afterwards and um yeah I would say that was a real time where things changed I started to get more faith I started to feel excited for it some of the things I dreaded I mean it was just as awful as I thought telling my family <laughs> um not probably so much about us but <laughs> because of our kids um it's so hard I mean and this is something all of you probably most of you don't have families yet but it's a big cost for for our parents for our extended family to see us move away even if it's like just moving somewhere else in the UK if you've been used to being with being near them particularly when you have a family it's a huge cost for them for you to move away and particularly to move to kind of the other side of the world and I think we've all been through that um, and our parents have had to my my parents both have a family and I think we've had to just really trust them to God and Tom's family as well and I would say actually it has been really good for them in the long run I think they both have had to rely on God um, in a fresh way although it hasn't been easy and they can see the good in us being there um, it definitely wasn't as hard telling the church as I thought it was going to be. In fact, the church didn't mind, really. They, <laughs> the church in Canterbury has flourished, and a lot of that is down to Tom having raised up brilliant leaders who were able to carry it further, like Sam. And, um, and I think, yeah, it was the right time. We really believe in raising up sons and daughters and not kind of hogging the platform you know there are so many great people in our church who needed to have the space to operate in their gifting so us going actually made much more room for those people so leaving was really hard but I think by the time we actually got to the point where we left we had a long period um, if you're going to somewhere like the states you have to wait for a visa it isn't just a simple there might be some of you who feel called to the states you know God can make it happen God can do the impossible but you do have to have a visa to be there you know and it might be like us a church is able to give you a work visa but it it's not just as simple as you can turn up and then get a job you do have to have a reason for being there um, sometimes they are willing to give out internships for a year or so um, which have a visa attached to them but it's um 
that is a long process and we had a year of waiting for this visa to come through kind of in limbo land but I think that was really good for us and it kind of helped us to detach our roots from city uh, from the church we were in and from friends and it meant we got to say goodbye to people really properly and not have loads of loose ends we got holidays with family the kids got to say goodbye to their friends properly and um, I think leaving well is so important Um, not just being like see you later like you don't care (laughs) because actually once you get to where you're going though you'll really miss those people so it's so important to say goodbye and really recognize where you've come from and Really remember who the people are that you're going to stay in contact with, who are going to be your lifelines, and really just honour those people who have really shaped you, your parents, but also people within the church who've discipled you, that they're still going to be the people who probably support you (laughs) when you go. So um, that's really important. Um, So just grieving, um, I would say (laughs) grieving is is such an important stage um, in this process. because it's really important to recognise when you leave anywhere, even for you guys, if you haven't been in a place you're living that long, maybe you're at university somewhere, um, there is a death of something when you leave. And in the Bible, actually, um, it describes death as a really important stage that we need to recognise. just like in the winter where lots of plants die off and there's a kind of frost that falls on everything, that is really important for um, new life to um, break out and be healthy. Um, in John 12:24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And um, I think this thing, and I know if you go and church plant, probably at your stage of life, it's probably about giving up maybe career opportunities or relationships um, with friends or boyfriends, girlfriends, um, with parents, um, with groups of friends maybe you've grown up with. Um, There is a death when it comes to this. There is a cost. Jesus said, you know, come follow me and pick up your cross and... We need to recognize that that when we take a step for God, that there is an element of a cost and and a death, but actually he brings new life. And um, over the winter, when when we we got there in July, and um, I'd say you go through a bit of a honeymoon period of, oh, this is exciting, isn't it? And we don't have any responsibility, so we're just, we're not at any meetings every night, and that's all wonderful. Um, And I think gradually as we hit Thanksgiving, which is such a big thing in the States, and Christmas, everyone had their family around them, and our family weren't coming out, we um, went through a real kind of winter period um we kind of hibernated like little hedgehogs and watched lots of netflix and uh, and bbc iplayer and ate cadbury's chocolate and um just kind of needed to recognize we were going through a death of something um something people that we'd had such close relationships with family we weren't seeing um but and actually what came out of that was a real closeness within our family um that i don't think we could have got any other way um and also a real reliance on god when you go through a time of grief 
or just like, I feel really alone in this, it makes you rely on God in a way that you never would before, you know. And I think that's been so significant for both of us. Um, And also a reliance on friends, um, new friends, because we had no choice but to be vulnerable with people and be honest that we were homesick or we didn't really know what we were supposed to be doing or why we were there or that we were finding things about the culture hard. Um, And I think, yeah, it was actually really important in our depth of relationship with the new people we were meeting. Um, I think as we have gone on, um, there's been lots of things as we've arrived that have been an amazing blessing, like schools, um, the house that we've got to live in. Um, There's been loads of things that we've really celebrated. Um, Just because you go to the States doesn't mean, although they do speak the same language, there's many things (laughs) that you have to get used to culturally. Um, It's very easy to presume it's just all the same because we've watched Friends a million times, but it's not. Um, There's lots of things you have to get used to and um, embrace that culture and celebrate it with people. Um, And so I'd say kind of as spring started in Visalia and the orange blossom came out on the trees and the lemon blossom, um, we definitely have started to feel like we're thriving and we have much more of a sense of why we're there. Um, We're keen to church plant probably in California as time goes on and we feel really excited just that we're catching a vision for what God wants to do in California, um, building word and spirit churches and um, just feels like this first year has been a really amazing kind of yeah just time for us to really get a love for the country for the place and for the people there so although it's the leaving and the grieving was hard it was a really important stage in that journey and I think that's the thing I think what Ashley Smythe said to us at the beginning um, was you have to make sure you do each of these stages well don't try and skip over any of them because they're all equally important to recognize what you're leaving to recognize who you're leaving and what they've meant to you and to really learn the culture and not just kind of try and run before you can walk in that new culture right okay yes Kevin. Try this in the pocket, I think. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, free movement. Yeah. Um, Yes, um, it's, it's great to it's great to hear these stories, and Roger has other great stories as well to come, um, because. The, the reason, it's not just kind of, oh yeah, come along and hear, hear somebody else's stories, but actually uh, the, the Bible says, doesn't it, that, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we talk about what Jesus can do, when we talk about what Jesus has done in our lives, it gives birth for something new to happen yeah. in, in us. So we see what Jesus does for someone else, and we think, yeah, Jesus can do that for me too. So there, there's, a, there's a kind of birthing as we share these stories. And um, I think the not so, uh, on the arriving stage, the not, the not so encouraging bit is that the, 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 the challenge and the grieving doesn't, doesn't really stop. It, 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 keeps, uh, it keeps going and kind of almost in a way even more so because you're then in this, um, you're in this kind of disoriented state as well so it's even it's even more tricky Uh, but it's okay 
it's okay to say that. And um, uh, Tom and Josie have gone through that, that process and, and they've survived and they're, they're, they're still okay and they're in, they're in a great place. So this is it, isn't it? This is it. And uh, it's all right to say that. Because otherwise we can get scared, like, oh, what if we, what if we say it's hard and then it kind of scares everyone off and, and they don't want to do it? That, that would be, that's the last thing we want to do. But, but equally, if we, say, if we say, yeah, it's all great, and then the first, the, like, the first challenge or the first obstacle that comes, you're going to think it's going wrong or you've done something wrong or, or whatever. But actually, it's okay to just talk openly about, about, it, about it being hard. Um, I think for me, one of, one of the hardest parts of the journey was um, sitting, sitting outside of our rented house, having packed all of our furniture into a, into a truck and some friends had come and they'd helped kind of clean, clean up the house that we were moving out of and our kids were outside kind of running on, on the lawn of the, of the house and we were all kind of sitting outside having done a, a hard day's work of packing and uh, cleaning and just to, just to sit there and just think right that's you know we're out of that house now and the next thing we're going on to is, is driving across Europe with this, this truckload of stuff uh, was just it was emotionally really hard I was super tired as well which doesn't is a bad cocktail for me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so um it, it was a it was a very very challenging moment of just kind of stripping everything back this kind of uh, there's nowhere, Josie talked about the cliff edge, there's kind of nowhere more to go. We could say, oh, we're not going to do it and unpack everything, but we can't because that would be really embarrassing and it's not what, it's not what God wants us to do. So, so that, that was super hard, just feeling really pushed, like this nesting, this e eagle thing, pushed right to the edge. And the, the next step is actually going to, going to Finland. And um, we... Um, we packed up everything, and because of because of Finnish um, kind of rules and bureaucracy, there's this certain. Um personal number that you need to have before you can really do anything. You can't really do anything without this personal number. Really, you can't have a mobile phone, you can't, have, you can't pay bills. Uh, you, can, you can buy bread and milk, that's, that's about as much as you can do really. Um, you, we, couldn't, we couldn't rent a place because we didn't have this number. And so we were, we were driving off and we didn't know where we were going to live when we arrived at this, where, on the, off the ferry. We didn't know then where we would actually go in, in Helsinki to, to live. And um, that was just, it was very counterintuitive to do that, to, to go into that, that, to enter into that and think. And, you know, particularly for my family, we're kind of wondering, oh, you know, where are you going to live? How are you going to support yourself? And, you know, just to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's for the church, we're going. And it, it just was very, very counterintuitive. And uh, these, are, these are counterintuitive steps that we often have to make. You know, the, these really are. And I think, I think all of us and, and others, others in this room have had to make, whether it's career or security, home, family, all of these, all of these reasons have had to make very counterintuitive decisions. And, um, but, but God is so kind. 
God is so kind and that when we, when we do that, it's not just, you know, God isn't just the God that we read the great stories about in the Bible, but he's actually a kind, loving Father God. He's generous, his resources are, are infinite, and he's super kind, he's super kind. And that when we, when we, when we, drive, we were driving, we're halfway across Europe, and um, the, the employer of, of my, my wife, Lydia, the, 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 the woman who was going to employ her as a, like, um, a preschool teacher, um, just called up and said, um, I've heard you're coming, and um, this, there's this number, I know you don't have the number yet, and I'm aware that you won't really be able to rent a home without this number. Would you, would you like me to rent a home for you through the, through the company? so that you can come, you can move in there, and then we'll sort it all out later on, which he did. So that was amazing. So we knew as we came off, came off the ferry, we knew where to go. So we'd, we'd, we'd packed it all up on, on Tuesday, drove onto the, drove onto the, um, the Eurotunnel on, on Wednesday. It was a couple of days driving. We arrived on Saturday and we loaded all the stuff in on Sunday. And, and there we were in our, in our new apartment. So. God, God is kind. Yeah, God is kind. And I just really love to, love to really underline that to you, that, that God is kind. When you do these things, he's, he's just super kind. And uh, <laughs> um, the other thing I'd like to say, the other thing just to this kind of slightly, slightly younger group is, is that, is that you, you can you can think about, oh, what do, I, what do I have to give up to go and do this stuff? And what's the cost to me? And, and the, cost, the costs are huge. Let's not pretend. Let's not pretend. The costs are huge. The costs are huge. But, but the, secret, the secret is when you do these things, which a whole ton of people don't know, but when you do these things, actually, you're the one being blessed. It's amazing. It's amazing. You think, oh, what am I doing for God? And actually, he's blessing you. <laughs> he's blessing me. He's, he's blessing whoever. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's like the opposite way to what you think. Really, really. And um, it's actually serving God with your life. It's not this big, it's not this big heavy sacrifice. It's this amazing privilege. It's such an amazing privilege, and, and you get blessed. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And there's this, whole, there's this whole kind of notion that, you know, I've got my life, all of this, this, and this, and then I might have to give that up, and then I'm going to be worse off, but, hey, I'm kind of sacrificing for God and all of that. But actually, he doesn't, God's not stingy leaving us out of pocket, whether it's finance or just, just spiritually as well. God is, God is so kind. And just really would love to encourage you about that. You know, as, as, the, world, as the world screams about building up this um, storehouse of stuff, which ultimately will, will fade away, ultimately moth and rust will destroy, actually there's this great opportunity to, to turn your life to build a storehouse 
of, of stuff for God and, and you'll be the ones being blessed. Yeah. You won't be the ones going without. Right. It's really true. It's really true. And uh, we, made, we made a little video one time when, when Morris was um, staying with us in, in Helsinki and um, he, said, he said this one kind of phrase about this, about this kind of theme and uh, it really stuck with me. And, you know, we've got, we've got what, like 70, 80 years, whatever, in, in, this, in this lifetime, whatever it is. And, um, and one day we're going to go to glory. And what are we going to sit around talking about? <laughs> really, what are we going to sit around talking about? Like the car we were driving or something? Or are we going to sit around this glorious campfire talking about the mission that as, as brothers and sisters together that we, that we gave our lives to? Yeah. Yeah. Which, would you, which would you rather talk about? Yeah. And that, that's, really, that's really, it's a great, it's a great thought, isn't it? of what you can do just with, with one lifetime. And, and Tom was talking about 10 years. What could you do with a lifetime of serving God and that you're the one that gets, that gets blessed? And just the, the very last thing I'd say is that the, the pressure, the pressure and the, the, the hard stuff that, that you have to go through is not, it's not a kind of, it's not like a bad byproduct, but actually it's the, it's the way that God has shaped our, our, our church plant. And, uh, and I'm sure the same would be true with these guys, that actually it's almost like it's the way, it's the way that it's given it its shape and it's given it its character. So it's not just a kind of tough byproduct to walk through, but it's, it's the church would look, the church plant in Helsinki or Lille would just look so different if you just had this coach load of 100 people turning up infinite money, you wouldn't need to pray, you wouldn't really need to trust God, you wouldn't need to walk through any hardship. It would just be such a different church culture. And that, that God, God uses the hard stuff to create and birth something so beautiful. Yeah. And Josie was talking about the, like the seed, the seed going into the ground, unless it goes in and dies, that there can't be this great harvest. You know, unless Jesus dies, there can't be this great resurrection. Yes. And that's the, the hard stuff isn't just there for the hard stuff, but it's, it's the way that God births something amazing. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll hand over to, to Roger. Thanks, buddy. Well, I don't have a top pocket. Might try and lapel job. Can we quickly change shirts? <laughs> yeah, quick. <laughs> no one will notice. Um, I'm Roger. I'm uh, based in Lille in the north of France. I uh, moved there about five years ago uh, with my beautiful wife, Georgina. We've got two kids. Miriam is uh, just seven. Victor's coming up to four. And um, uh, say uh, bonjour to the person next to you. Bonjour, bonjour. Wow, you're fluent, you're ready. You're ready to come and plant with us in Lille. Um, <laughs> just kidding, uh, but hopefully some of you. Um, so <laughs> we, we have been there for a number of years, but um, the reason we went there was God spoke to us about coming, and we had lived many years in a fantastic church in Canterbury. And I think for us, although I'm going to major on the, the thriving part, um, obviously we went through that leaving, grieving and arriving part two but there was so much before even starting the leaving um, 
I first felt a sense of call to go to a French-speaking nation when I was 16, and that was a Revive uh, meeting at Stonely Bible Week, which is a long time ago. It was about 1997 or something like that. Uh, some of you weren't born, I guess. Um, but uh, it was all old man Rog now. Uh, but, you know, that it was a long time ago, and then I went to uni, studied French, um, but kind of had to ha- put that dream of going to France on a peg and think well when's that going to happen it's not happening and really it was about 13 years until God started to speak more clearly into what that call looked like where it was going to be but those 13 years weren't wasted you know those years of being with Tom and Kev and Josie and the gang in, in, in City Church were so fundamental for knocking off a lot of rough edges on me I had a lot of maturing to do still do but um, you know it was at such an important time where I grew in God have had opportunities to take responsibility for a small group or leading a prayer meeting you know first steps and, and then into working for the church but there was always this this desire in my heart Lord I want to go uh, and if you're willing he will, he will steer you, you know. You've got to be open with your heart. Say, Lord, get, get yourselves to conferences. I commend you for being here because in these such places is where God speaks and you can feel resourced, you can feel equipped, you can feel encouraged by stories of people that have gone there doing it uh, and that you too can do great things for God and better still. We want to be a, a platform that sees you going and achieving greater things than we could ever achieve. The way that God spoke to us clearly was uh, Mike Betts had a prophetic word um, that God was going to give favor for church planting along the Eurostar line, just as he had used the Roman road system 2,000 years ago to carry the gospel. He was highlighting this man-made structure in our day to do it again. So very practically, something that man had built just for travel and trade, etc., God was going to use it to get people out and about and across and traveling for the gospel and it wasn't rocket science you know it's a good word Mike Um, but faith came into my heart faith really deposited and we don't need a banner in the sky prophetic word to go somewhere the great commission is enough for each one of us to go and plant a church Um, but it's great when God does speak and certainly affirms it through other people and hearing that word was wonderful but even greater still was I heard this word after Mike had taken a team, gone to Lille, met some leaders in Lille and started praying, getting on the ground, just cracking it open. So we see, like Ephesians 2 speaks about, the marriage of the apostle and prophet at work, uh, opening something up and being a healthy foundation for a church. And that was something I was like, Lord, I want to see that happen in what we're going to do. If I'm going to uproot my family and go to a context, different culture, I need to know you're with me. I need to know we're supported. So from a sort of a a movement angle, that felt good. But far more importantly than just a a movement thing, because we don't just subscribe or affiliate to a membership with relational mission. It's far deeper than that. It's just an expression of what really happens. And what really happens was the relationships that we were building in the local church. And I appeal to you, invest in your friendships now, in who you are being discipled by seek someone out if you're not having someone invest in your life get that you need that and as important invest disciple others make disciples practice it while you're in your home church while there's hundreds of people who love jesus you're getting great sermons every week there's ministry here ministry that you know when you go and plant god willing that many of you will it's you 
it's you and perhaps a few others but enjoy draw on get rich in the goodness of god because that is a preparation time that you will draw on once you have gone once you're in a vulnerable place they're like let's oh yeah but i remember tom speaking about that or oh yeah what we did that in discipleship things that you know you just cannot put a price on um so we we went out in in 2013 but yeah to be honest uh uh, in the beginning, I was like, Lord, we want to go, we want to go. I was pushing on doors for jobs. Nothing was coming up. I, f- I felt faith to hand in my notice, go for a job. And after two, uh, sorry, just to move and find a job on the ground. And after two weeks, God opened up a full-time job for us in Lille, which was great provision. And, uh, but at the time, it, it was just me. Uh, once I got the job, I said, okay, love, you can hand in your notice and, uh, and come over with Miriam, uh, which she did. But basically it was like right everyone let's go to Lille but oh it's just me and uh, my wife um, and it was just us and we sort of done the pitch like come on everybody let's go to France and maybe people uh, didn't have a heart for France or didn't speak much French and that was fine but it was a vulnerable time for us we like we know God's spoken but it wasn't a hindrance for us to going and partly was because well it was the first time we'd ever planted and the fear of comparison or of what you read about in books and thinking, oh, but, uh, you know, this expert in church planting says you need to get the team ready and all go off in a glory bus over to where you're going. And, and it doesn't always look like that for everyone. You know, there are different races for different people. You know, Paul says, run the race marked out for you. If you are in a swimming race and you turn up with a bicycle and try and get in the pool and try and beat someone in a swimming race on a bicycle, it's not going to work. You need to swim. You know, run the race marked out for you. Different plant situations, different cultures, contexts will look different, and that's okay. There are principles we can take. There are encouragements we can take from different examples. But God has a race marked out for you. Be confident to run in it in the way that he has shaped you to be. That's okay. And so... For us, we were moving into a new culture. You know, as the Joneses had in Helsinki, there's an admin stage. You have to fight a lot to get a lot of paperwork done. You're learning language. You're getting to know people. And for us, as Paul is another good example again, when he went to Athens in Acts 19, he, he observed the culture. He spent time actually saying, God, what message do you have for me to bring here? And having observed, he said, actually, I I speak to you about this altar to the unknown God and say, you know, men of Athens, you are very religious. You know, he commends their culture. He doesn't say it's wrong, you need to fix it. You know, he commends what's good about it and then brings the gospel and redeems that culture. And that's what we're called to do. Even, you know, if you plant into the UK, you observe. Don't just think, I've got it all. I've got my church planting toolkit, know what to do. Hey, everybody come to our best pop-up church you know not at all we go in with humility not only observing the culture around us but observing the church culture around us because God is already doing things hopefully you may go to a place that has nothing (laughs) Uh, and so you're going to be a first expression of Christianity there but in many places there will be churches and we honor what God is already doing we might not agree in every iota of doctrine but that's okay we honor what God is doing the wider body of Christ and that helps us learn our fit and actually in visiting other churches before we had our own church to look after it really helped us 
not just think, oh, we do that better or that's going to be better. But we actually thought, oh, wow, we see what our fit is going to be, how we can serve here. They're serving brilliantly in that. We can bring this. And together we're a tapestry that blesses the work of Christ in the place that he's calling you to. I... um, I came to London yesterday and uh, went to the British Museum with my mum and dad. Met up with them for the first time for since September. Um, and we went to the B- British Museum. There was a Rodin uh, exhibition. He's a, a French sculptor from the 19th century. And uh, you may know there's um, one of his famous sculptors is uh, the thinker, Le Penseur. And he's kind of sitting like this. Um, muscly guy and um, but there was I, I knew that one but there was an, one I never knew uh, it was called The Walking Man and quite simply it's a man walking and uh, he's got one foot in front of the other um, but something that really struck me first of all he had no head and no arms but after that <laughs> special guy um, but his body was in the middle and one foot was in front and another foot was behind and God really spoke to me in that moment. And just thinking of, as I've said already, what you live in the now serves as a foundation for your future. So your foot in the past is your church experience now. And it's important also to have a foot forward. You know, you're moving. You've got to move to get something to be useful for God. But this is your vision. You know, where are we going? What are we doing? But I thought actually the majority of his body, although no head and no arms, but his torso was actually in the present and built on the foundation of your past with a vision for where you're going, actually thriving, because perhaps you were thinking I was going to talk about numbers and lots of testimonies and I'll say a few things, but it's about who you are in Christ now and how you live each day now that really really matters terry virgo who some of you will know he he led and started the new frontiers family of churches and continues to serve multiple families now but you know when asked what's what's kind of the most important thing about your success in your ministry and he said quoting from jude saying keep yourself in the love of god that to thrive that is your absolute essence because ultimately whether things are going well or badly who you are in Christ and his approval of who you are is massive to help you thrive in life it's not about performance it's not about numbers bums on seats all this kind of thing although we hope for those things because they're outward signs of something happening people rallying but it's actually your growth and your growth with if you have a spouse with your spouse or with your family once it gets to that stage but that is so important to be anchored in your identity in Christ which is why something like ID if you haven't done ID is awesome because it anchors you in your faith and helps you get get those kind of truths in you so when you step out your head above the parapet uh, going out into a church plant you're secure in that you know as, as Kev said it's not easy but you need to be prepared for that and that kind of identity stuff is massive um, just to say a couple things that uh, are happening in Lille which are just encouraging thriving signs for us um, recently my wife Georgina went out to uh, Nish in Serbia with one of our gang and they joined in with a prophetic conference that was happening out there uh, and they came back full of the spirit and just really ministered to us imparted lots of what they'd learnt there um, which has just helped to activate a fresh wave of Holy Spirit activity uh, among us so we've seen people feel the spirit prophesying over each other that hasn't happened before and French people can be quite reserved about 
doing that kind of thing. So we're just help, gently helping people with the, the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a, a Korean girl who's been with us for a little while. She felt quite reserved about that kind of thing, but we just gently led her in it. And then she started prophesying beautifully over people. There's another girl who had got baptized or christened when she was a baby didn't really feel compelled that she needed to get baptized as an adult. We led her through some scriptures and just said, look, we're not going to violate your conscience if, if you don't feel convinced from scriptures that you need to, that's okay. But we believe that it is something, a hallmark of a, a statement of personal faith to God about getting baptized. And she went away, read the scriptures, came back, said, do you know what? Yeah, the Spirit's spoken to me. I want to get baptized. And so we're going to celebrate our first baptism very soon. So we're just really thrilled at some of those signs of, of fruit. Um, we're translating the Relational Mission Way of Life book, the Orange Book, uh, into French. So we can resource people with that. We're hoping to do ID in Lille in 2019. So uh, if you have any French or if you can learn it in a year and come out in 2019 <laughs> we would gladly welcome you but uh, yeah we're, we're enjoying the journey and as Mike says enjoy the journey Yay. right thank you mate okay well we have 10 minutes left you three come and join me um, was that helpful? Yeah, very good. Great. I think, obviously, being in story form, hopefully, kept you gripped. Uh, but some little nuggets there. <laughs> Absolutely gripped. Um, who's got some, some juicy questions for us? On anything we've touched upon or almost anything else? <laughs> Any questions at all? Yeah. What would you say to people you don't feel called to go permanently to part of church themselves, but can maybe support temporarily or mm-hmm. weekends or months? Mm-hmm. What, what would we, so the question? Yeah. What, what, what advice would you have? To Good question. Mm. Serve in a temporary way, and what what are the benefits of that? Great. So the question was for the sake of the recording. Uh, if you're not, you don't sense a call long term, but you do want to come and support a, a church plant situation, maybe at the weekends or kind of like you know for a shorter period. What would be some of our advice to people in that situation? Any initial comments from anyone? Kev, um, Morris, Morris referred to it last night. I, th- I think it's really viable. Mm-hmm. It's really important. If if he he put it out there, didn't it? Didn't he give a year, give a month, give a weekend? So. I think first thing to say is big yes. Um, I think it'd be. I think it would also be interesting to just, you know, as 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 someone is on that journey, um, what what's the kind of what's the vision for doing that? You've you've used the word serving, which is which is great. So coming to serve, even if it's just for a weekend, um, church planting super exhausting, and having having some extra pairs of hands even for one weekend is an absolute absolute brilliant win. So yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess it's also a, a, a ongoing discussion of what those kind of what those multiple weekends could could look like what they could turn into what kind of vision do you do you have for that yeah yeah and i'd just like to add that um it's massively shaping for you as an individual and it helps to close doors perhaps you know you might you don't have to be convinced about a particular nation or just a particular town in the uk 
to go there it's not sort of committing signing your life away to say I'm going to go for a weekend or, or a month um, and that's an important way of discovering where God does want you to be because you might have a sense of oh I don't know I've been feel a sense of a call to a Spanish-speaking nation or something and and you go there and actually finally oh no um, it's not and that's actually a really healthy part of the process and also to be honest when I lived in Canterbury every time I went away from Canterbury for a weekend I just I was so desperate to get back I just loved it and it's the same now for me in Lille and actually time away can give you fresh faith for where you are and to not it's not always about where could you go it's actually sometimes renewing faith for where you are and actually things that you catch you can bring back and in, input into the church so uh, I think it's a really really good idea um, you know go and bother someone bother us bother you know someone to, to come out for a weekend or, or work something out uh, and um, yeah so plan. and I think just to underline what Kev was in his gentle way saying was that go with a heart to serve which I'm sure you would but it's amazing occasionally just occasionally you get people who want to serve but their serving is a little bit prescriptive they want to do something that they deem you know sort of ministry rather than like oh come and babysit I'll do do whatever you need so I think that is a real key that I think will um, ensure that wherever you go it really is a blessing rather than a drain John Um, you alluded to um, what I suggest especially about finding the idea of going to the States a challenge and um, uh, the question I would have if you get a sort of this kind of unerring feeling over a few years or so of going somewhere but it has no correlation to previous prophetic words mm-hmm. you've got no passion for necessarily for that place or mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, there's, I guess what balance did you have of previous gifting prophetic words compared with what God was saying of taking you so you talked you, Roger talked about one foot in what God's done and you sort of this is where God, you know, God's been growing and suddenly sort of something mm. creeps in some other sense and you're thinking there's kind of a balance you know, how much yep. so is, how did you go about that process as well as that Joe said to go through you actually take that yeah. step mm. and, you, and you start to maybe see retrospectively perhaps I don't know yeah, yeah. my own question a little bit but what, what would you say about the balance between what he's said and what he's saying yeah, that's probably picked up, so I'll trust it has. I think, I mean, I think God, I, I guess it's just that God can speak really clearly when he wants to. And, and half the time it's because we're not listening um, that we don't hear. But I guess I feel like as long as we go or stay, you know, with a heart to serve him and build his church and his kingdom. I don't think we can go far off. Um, so I think um, I think for me with the States, I think I just had this... I think a lot of us, um, and it, it really comes back to pride, a lot of us have this idea of what it means to go to the nations. You know, we want to be in one of the tier fund kind of manuals or something, you know, with us... T- you know, and obviously some people, <laughs> some people, obviously that is exactly where they're called. And who knows, that's where we could end up being called. But I think I'd always had that idea of almost God needs me somewhere. You know, he can't operate without me. Um, and actually often God puts us in situations sometimes that actually really press our buttons um, and make us deal maybe with some of our 
our actual underlying issues. <laughs> Um, because he, it, the process is about us serving him, but it's also about him wanting to change us and shape us and build our character. And um, I've been really humbled through this process. And he couldn't probably have put me anywhere more challenging for me personally because of just who I, th how I think of myself and where I feel most comfortable. So I, I think... Um, I think we have to listen to prophetic... If we've had prophetic words about something similar and then we feel called over here, I think we definitely have to weigh that up. I don't think I had felt like I'd had prophetic words about me going to India and then I felt called to America. I don't think there'd been anywhere specific. Um, I think I just had a sense in myself I was going to do certain things within the UK and that hadn't happened yet, like, in the way I'd imagined. Um... So it just took a different path to what I'd expected. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's just sometimes things seem so weird to us, but actually when you step into it, you're like, oh, that's totally why God did that, because I've had to totally trust him. Um, and actually sometimes he calls us into situations, you know, that we don't think we suit because he does want us to be different. He does want us to bring a different flavour into that situation. So, yeah. Oh, wait, oh. Who's going? Who's sliding going? It across the sliding. Yeah, sliding. We're sliding. Um, yeah, just a little thing to add. Hopefully it helps to answer your question a little bit. But um, just recalling that, that statue image that I presented earlier, a, a significant aspect actually was the fact that this statue had no, no head and no arms. Um, and a quote uh, of Auguste Rodin that I saw on the wall that quite impacted me was, he said, they are no less masterpieces for being incomplete. And actually, it was his intention that this statue had no head and no arms. And we can often, you know, look at it and think, oh, it's broken or he didn't finish it. But actually, that, that was the intention. And actually, we need to befriend that feeling in the Christian life of being incomplete. We celebrate how we have grown in Christ, but he is continuing to make us more like him. Uh, and in, in the sense of the prophetic words and things that God has said, they're, they're to serve us, to encourage us and to liberate us into our destiny, but not to restrict us. And actually, if those words become weights around our necks, it must be like this because this really big prophet said it, you know, actually, we're not weighing prophecy healthily because it should release us into our destiny rather than restrict us into, well, it can't be anything else. Um, so because people, even great prophets, they prophesy in part. And, you know, so we weigh and attest. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, it, it may have been God's word then, but actually there's a, a, a fresh thing today and just lift the pressure off. You know, don't take yourself too seriously. You've got no head and no arms, so enjoy life. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, do, I think underlining that, the word in the title of the seminar of adventure, I think we, we were absolutely kind of paralyzed for us for a little while when we were trying to work out if we should do this because it felt so costly you know like just leaving everything and our kids what if we damaged our kids and selling our house and giving everything all our furniture away you know it just felt like and the big question was is this definitely right and we were like perfectionist type analyzers of this thing and then you just think 
that's not the flavour of the New Testament at all. Paul's like, I tried to go into Asia, and then I tried to go here, and God wouldn't let me, and then I had a dream, and I went that way. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, okay. Very kind of relaxed, I think, and, I, and God's so kind. I think that's really profoundly yes. knowing that. And I would just say... And then, then I went for a, a walk with uh, a friend of ours, one of the elders at City called Jeff, and he just said, just take the pressure off yourself, give it a go. What's the worst that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Basically, you, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to come back in a year and go, it didn't work, and you have to swallow your pride a bit. But have an adventure. Mm-hmm. Use that phrase, we're having an adventure and we're trying it. And I think that was, that was a pivotal moment where we took, God helped us just to relax and go, yeah. Okay, time for one more quick question, if there is one in the house. Any other questions? Sam. No. Oh. The young man at the front. <laughs> now, what would you advise the, those who are following church parts of this, children want to sort of be mm. existing, so it might be a connection with people that they already know, or yep. this kind of context here from you guys, what, what would be the advice there? So Great question. So the question is, uh, any advice for those who feel called to kind of go on a second wave, those who would follow the pioneers? First thing I'd say is just actually how incredibly important that is. So I think um, <laughs> wherever possible the principle of two by two I, as in preferably like a couple with a, a couple or a t- you know a group of more than just people going on their own I think is preferable I think if you've got another kind of either a couple who are leaders or just least faithful DNA carriers and you can basically if you can have a laugh and you can laugh about how rubbish things are I think that is I know it sounds silly but it's so important so I guess I would just underline that's a, that's a little bit of a trend we've seen actually that wherever possible going with another couple or other singles who can come quickly afterwards to just emotionally encourage as well as help is absolutely a game changer. I would be I would put it in that as language as, as strongly as that. So it's a great question. Um, I think also just when you when you break into these, particularly if it's very like cross-cultural mission when you make that break you are particularly if you go just one family you're you're kind of the picture I've always had is that you're sort of you're being dropped into a situation and then you're slowly clearing a landing strip and then the landing strip means some others can come and then it can increase because ultimately we're talking a lot about the beginnings of something aren't we and, not, and I guess wrongly we could almost make this big emphasis on it's all about it's all about the sending in the beginning and actually then there's this groundwork that takes place and ultimately we we don't want to be the only ones leading these leading these church plants but we want other kind of heavier and heavier weight people to come in that can actually that can actually help and carry more weight and that's that's what we we need to we need to build to that in a releasing way that we're opening up this landing strip that we're invitational for others to come and um i think if you if you don't hit the first wave then it's still super super valid and super important to come it's not all about the first wave I think um, for us going to a different context you go with sort of dreams and visions of what it's going to be like and when you're on the ground it it doesn't quite look like that it might do in some ways but you sort of have to 
die to dreams and I think for somebody who wants to come and join a church plant you might have a lot of ideals and think thoughts of what it might be uh, it's not wrong to dream it's good but it's good to dialogue with who you're going to go and join and support uh, and just to get a, a clearer picture of of what is going to happen but that your dreams can help bring you know life and energy it's not just about tempering everything but about having a, a reality check of what it's going to look like and i think just very practically if even if you're moving down the road but especially if you're moving to another culture it's lining up a lot of ducks before you go like administrative things you have to for example have birth certificates translated into the language you need this that and the other lined up um if you're going to another culture it's good to learn the language if you've not already got that notion just just do lots so that you can hit the ground running and don't and again take the pressure off yourself from feeling you've got to go in and suddenly we're here to plant a church and i'm gonna save you and save you you know go in just to do life do life well um get a job you know get to know people have colleagues do sport you know join a club you know do do things that actually gets you into the culture and but live life well for god in those in those ways and actually through that he gives you opportunities rather than thinking it's got to be embodied in this great ministry um and god will open up opportunities but it's it's about doing life well and sharing christ so i just want to say on behalf of these guys wives i think probably um and just other church planters' wives, I know. I think a massive challenge has been kids' work, and these guys have obviously taken their own families with them, and that's a massive cost for their children, leaving their homes and their schools and friends. Um, but obviously it's a massive cost in terms of church as well, and the, often the kids' works they've come from. And then what often happens initially is that the, the lovely church planters' wives end up doing the kids' work week after week. And I just think um, for for anyone to come in and just be, come in having enthusiasm and an energy for children and be willing to serve the children in the church and therefore serve the families who are running the thing um, is absolutely massive. And it, it might not be in your comfort zone. It might not... You might not even think that's a big deal, but to these guys, that would mean, like... Uh, th- it would just give them so much freedom and encouragement and they would love you forever um but I, I just think it's a lot of these unseen things that that go on with church planting or even babysitting so they can go out for a meal you know things like that which particularly people who have a little bit less responsibility coming into a church plant can mean all the world you know marriages are put under pressure um families are put under pressure and to have people come in who actually one of their major roles they see actually being supporting and i know there's definitely people we've seen do that go and be part of church plants because they love the key leaders and actually to go and support those families it's just so important so important um, and it really makes a massive impact in the health of that church plant mm. final thing i'd say as well is i've i've realized you know we've moved six thousand miles away and you realize uh, put your hand up if you've been kind of vaguely around the sort of relational mission new frontiersy world for a few years in some for- yeah, virtually everyone so either your parents or you know or even if it's not not just new frontiers but there's so many incredible healthy word and spirit movements in this country i mean we're in california where there's mega churches everywhere some of the most famous churches in the world and I, i'm not exaggerating to say 
the DNA you will probably be carrying, you will have no idea how someone who has seen the Bible preached regularly, the charismatic regularly done, a leadership team that is a team, not one man, Ephesians 4's ministries actually believed in, prayer genuinely celebrated, being filled with the Holy Spirit and living in the Spirit, understanding the grace of God and that you don't, you're not morally a good person. You receive those basic stuff that were like, oh, I pro- listen, I promise you, God is going to blow on this country like a dandelion. I seriously mean, I know it's going to happen. And he, I know suddenly where we are, I've suddenly got it. I was always quite anti. I was always like, we need homegrown, you know, French people to reach French people, Finnish people to reach Finland, and California to reach California. I agree with that to a degree. But what I'm realizing is, in addition to that, so many cultures have blind spots, and they are just in this thing of not realizing what they're missing. That's honestly true. Now, there's loads of things we're learning, my goodness. But honestly, I, I absolutely believe in the next 10 or 20 years there's going to be a massive exporting of particularly, you know, the world I've lived in, new frontiers, where there's going to be new frontiers, people sent all over the world. And this is what will happen. Here, you're just someone in the crowd and you're like, you look at all your weaknesses, you think, I'm nothing special. And in a way, you're not. But because, no, but because of by virtue of you being drenched in, when he talks about Stonely, if you vaguely know what he's talking about, you are so privileged. And I'm sorry, but with, you know, to quote Spider-Man, with great privilege comes great. And you will, you will find yourself in a place where you're just talking about, oh, well, I do believe that you can prophesy, or I do believe in the grace of God. And p- people will literally look at you as if... That's incredible, tell me more. And you have exponentially far more impact in different places than honestly you could if we all crammed together on one island. It's almost like, I mean, I love whiskey. It's almost like this is like a, a, a distilled season of 10 or 20, 30 years that New Frontiers has been in where God's concentrated. Everywhere you go, there's a New Frontiers church. Every village, every town, many towns have more than one. And although that's great, the world is honestly... I seriously mean this. I want to jump up and preach this. The world is waiting for you. And I'm not just saying, I know I've preached that from Mobilize. I actually now believe it to be true even more so. Having gone to somewhere like California, it's like you can't fast track. What God's taken, you know, John on, John Nichols for 10, 20 years in New Frontiersy world, you can't you know you've experienced something in a slow unhurried way drip 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 that you can't you can tell someone about these doctrines and they they'll sort of understand it you need to there's there's a season where god's going to go export 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 and you will be you will find yourself being used and having exponential impact because of what you've unwittingly been in for so long and uh, I, I absolutely believe that's going to happen with all my heart. So on that rather exciting note, let's, um, let's, let's pray, shall we? Josie, can you pray for us? And then, yeah, we have to rec- record the prayer as well. There you go. Okay. Record the prayer. Be good, I imagine. <laughs> let's, just, let's just receive, shall we, as we, as we come to a close. Let's open our hands and just let the Lord settle things in our hearts. Mm. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I, I just thank you... Um, that we are born for such a time as this, yeah. God. Um, Lord, you want to, to use us, God, in the present. No matter where we are, you want to use us. 
but you do also want us to have that vision for the future and also to, to remember where we've come from. Remember what you've put in us, God, and be grateful for that. And I, I just pray for everybody here. Lord, I pray for their stories and the journey that they are on. And I, I just thank you for them. I thank you that you choose to work through the church. You choose to work through individuals who are building the church, your bride. And, and God, I just pray for... Yeah, just, just each and every person in this room that they would have hearts open to hear from you, hearts open to hear your voice speak clearly. Lord, I pray you would give them courage, you give them faith. Lord, I pray that you would give them creativity in knowing how to go about the things that you've put into their heart, God. I pray for um, you to just use their passions i really pray that they would be people who um don't just kind of um drift through life but you would use their passions god to be able to to be part of church plants part of churches where where we see um Oh, just you, you work in so many different ways, God, with so many different groups of people in so many different kind of parts of society, God. And you would use the people in this room because of what you've put in them, God. They would be able to reach people that I could never reach, God. Lord, I just, I just pray, God, that you would help us to see you don't want us all to become the same, Lord. You don't want clones. You want to use us um, for who you've made us to be in the different settings that you call us to. And God, yeah, we just pray for that. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill us and give us fresh faith, God, for the way ahead. Yeah, we love you, Lord. Amen.